The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Our weekday podcast is brought to you by Combank. This year, more than ever, we recognise the work of our educators. Nominations for the Commonwealth Bank Teaching Awards are now open. Head to teachingawards.com.au to nominate a great educator today. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Wednesday the 7th of October. In your squeeze today, the budget and its assumptions, Trump's return to the White House, Victoria's roadmap, and why the back of your head is exciting to dogs. This is your squeeze today. Last night, Claire, our treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, handed down the budget. This time last year, he was planning to be announcing a surplus. Instead, the deficit will exceed $213 billion this financial year. And when it comes to debt, that's expected to peak at $966 billion in 2024. As was expected, the budget really was all about creating jobs. Yeah, and when it comes to spending measures in the budget, they are some of the biggest ticket items that Josh Frydenberg announced. There's a lot going towards business, of course, because they're the ones who are going to be the jobs generators just to put people back on from when they started to stall when we look at what happened earlier this year, but also to create new jobs going forward into the coming years. It's going to be vital to rev up our economy again. So expect to read a lot about measures designed to get particularly young people into work, Claire, also tax incentives to help businesses with expenses, and then there's personal tax cuts as well. All of this is meant to get us spending money and therefore keep the economy chugging along. To coin perhaps the most overused phrase of 2020, these are unprecedented times. So in order to make any sort of plan, the government has had to make some assumptions, Claire. And some pretty big assumptions. Looking forward, the budget is underpinned by the assumptions that COVID outbreaks will now be localised. We won't have a big spread like what happened in that second wave in Melbourne. Uh, Also that there will likely be a vaccine available next year. They're also assuming that our domestic borders will reopen at the end of this year, except for Western Australia. It's assumed that WA will keep its border closed until after its state election in April. And also probably one of the biggest ones, the assumption is that the economy will surge by almost 5% this financial year, which is a really big lift on where we have landed with that recession and going into negative territory. Of course, people have had a lot to say about this already. What did the opposition say? Jim Chalmers, who's the Treasury spokesman, said that for almost a trillion dollars in debt, the Morrison government still hasn't done enough to create jobs and also says that there's not enough of a plan for the future, that it's still a bit too reactive and also that it leaves too many Australians behind. That was sentiment that was uh, backed by Cassandra Goldie, who's from the Council of Social Services. She was really disappointed that job seeker uh, recipients won't get that higher level of income support that they've received in the last few months. The Business Council, though, was pretty happy, of course, because they're such a big focus of this budget and there are billions of dollars going to new measures for the business sector. Its boss, Jennifer Westercott, said that it's good that we're moving from emergency support to ongoing into the coming years kind of programs that target business. It's one of those budgets that's going to affect a lot of people. There's more detail in the Squiz Today email, and I'll also include a link to the ABC's budget cheat sheet in your episode notes as well. 
Over in the US and Donald Trump, after three nights in hospital, Claire, yesterday returned to the White House. There was a big wave of reaction to that return. Uh, what he did was that he got off the helicopter on the lawns of the White House, uh, went up the stairs and took off his mask to great flourish. He then moved inside and recorded a video. It was all very scripted and, of course, removing his mask was something that probably gained the biggest reaction because he still has COVID-19. Many said that that was not a good example to set. A post from Donald Trump stating that flu season is coming up and that like the flu, we need to live with COVID and in most populations, it's less deadly than the seasonal flu is according to Facebook in violation of their rules on COVID misinformation and they've removed that post, Claire. They have. They say that that is part of their measures to make sure that the information that are on their platforms is accurate. The post is still live on Twitter, but they've included a message to the tweet stating that it violates the company's rules on spreading misleading information related to COVID-19 also. In Victoria, it's October 19 when more restrictions are due to be eased, but there's an if That's if over 14 days there is an average of five daily cases or fewer of COVID-19. The if part is the part that got chins wagging yesterday, Claire. Yeah, and that's because Victoria recorded 15 new cases yesterday. Uh, Their chief health advisor, Brett Sutton, said that they're going to be really coming down to the wire to get that rolling average under five new cases a day if they're going to be in that sort of middle 10 to 20 kind of cases. Step three sees Melbourne free to wander from their homes as far as they want and they can go for as long as they want. They don't have to be home within two hours. So it really is a big part of uh, seeing that city getting back to life as normal. Plenty of talk in the papers about James Packer this week. Yesterday, he faced the inquiry into the Crown Sydney licence for the first time. Quick background, that inquiry is examining whether Crown is fit to hold a New South Wales licence for its soon-to-be-opened Harbourside Casino in Sydney. This relates, Claire, in particular to allegations the company was turning a blind eye to money laundering. Yeah, and also there's some issues around people who are connected to that company. One, of course, being James Packer. He's a significant investor in Crown Resorts. And what the inquiry yesterday got into were threats that he allegedly made towards a potential investor. Packer yesterday said that that happened and that he agreed that they were shameful and disgraceful. Uh, What he did for the first time, though, was to confirm in public that he has bipolar disorder. He stepped back from the front line of his business interests in March 2018, citing mental health issues. And yesterday he put a name on it. He goes back before that inquiry this morning. A new report from Human Rights Watch says that Possibly hundreds of thousands of mentally ill people across 60 nations are being held in chains, locked in cages or imprisoned in sheds, Claire. Yeah, they're being shackled as a way for their families, but also for governments and private institutions to keep them under control. We're talking about countries in Asia, Africa, also Europe and the Middle East and South America. They say that there's little medical support for mentally ill people in those places, uh, also very little community awareness of mental health issues, and that sees uh, many, many thousands of people very badly treated. 
And it's a glum day of reports, Claire, from the budget to that human rights one to this. Another study has shown that dogs are just as excited by the back of our heads as the front. And look, you know I have a very high regard for science, but that just can't be true. I just don't think that that's true. I have a very real connection with my dog. We look into each other's eyes. Look, I just (laughs) don't believe that he gets the same joy out of seeing the back of my head as he does the front. But that apparently is what this study says. That's what this study says, but I'm sure dog owners everywhere are outraged by this. (laughs) A quick message now from our podcast partner, ComBank. We've been talking a bit in the podcast about the Commonwealth Bank Teaching Awards. They're open for nominations until the end of the week. So stay listening at the end of the podcast where we talk to one of last year's recipients, Denise Lofts. She's the principal of Ulladulla High School. We talk about the awards as well as what 2020 has been like for her school. Meanwhile, if you know a great teacher you'd like to nominate, head to teachingawards.com.au now. The email subject line, Claire, every day is a song lyric that relates to a news item. What have we got today? Gone for the Beatles, We Can Work It Out. That is in relation to the budget. Of course, we're going to be working our way through making the economy work again. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next few years. There certainly was an air of optimism about it, wasn't there? Oh, lots of fingers crossed that we do catch a break. Yeah. Yeah. And before we go, this week we're asking Squeeze listeners to please complete a survey. It's all about getting your feedback on everything from how we present our content and what more you might like from us. It'll help us out so much if you take part. And if you do, you'll go in the draw to win a $200 Dan Murphy gift card. So Claire, you can do it because it'll warm our hearts. <laughs> or you can do it for the booze. Yeah, it's totally up. Either to you. way, we're happy. It'll take less than five minutes, and a link to do that is in your episode notes. That's all from us today, and we will chat to you tomorrow. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesqueeze.com.au. Denise Lofts is the principal of Ulladulla High School. Last year, she was awarded a Commonwealth Bank Teaching Award. Denise, thanks for joining us on the Squeeze Today podcast. It's my pleasure. I look forward to having a chat. You were the recipient of a Commonwealth Bank Teaching Award last year. What is it about what you've done at Ulladulla High School that saw you recognised with this award? Um, So we are into really deep, authentic project-based learning. And you might think, no, that's not about projects and that's not about dumpster assessment. It's really about uh, driving questions that allow students to really dig into the uh, content of the curriculum. And, And only recently my students did this research project and basically they researched what the kids thought education should look like. And that's actually brings the curriculum alive as opposed to, okay, here's the dot points of the syllabus. So it's really around inquiry learning. You know, for example, we we brought in our Aboriginal Lands Council to um, be the judges of our how can Indigenous foods influence the contemporary cuisine and we had our Aboriginal Lands Council come in and be the audience for that. Sometimes for assessment, the only audience is the teacher, but we we have the audience as being much wider than that, and it's that therefore um, work is more meaningful. Uh, so it's it's a way to to really engage students, and you know once you engage students, learning starts to happen at a deeper level.
Speaking of the community down there, it's been a a very disrupted year for teachers and particularly your local community more broadly with the bushfires, first of all, and and now COVID-19, which is obviously impacting everyone. How has the school had to adjust? I came back um, in January, obviously at the the end of January after the fires, and, you know, I did some, some research and some reading and basically you've got to celebrate joy and hope. But within five weeks, then this COVID thing, like kind of, and I thought, whoa, okay. But, you know, it, it was really about the communication about what's going on and, and parents were really appreciative of that. But we actually changed the school day. So we gave them a timetable. We had normally a th- six-period day. We whipped it down to a four-session day with a passion project at the end of the day. And what what's happened from that is the four-session day with the three breaks has actually was what we're doing now since we've come back. So we've kind of transformed what worked for that. So some of the the changes that you've sort of been forced to make will endure, will endure long after COVID-19. Yeah, and we kind of, we kept surveying the, the, the kids and the teachers and the parents and we got such good feedback about what was working that we wow, we need to, to carry this forward. And just to bring it back to the to the teaching awards as well and the fellowship that goes along with that when you're awarded one, you become part of this network. Is that the, the, the greatest impact that winning something like that has had for you? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, the, the fact that you've got really committed teachers being um, acknowledged. So anyone listening thinking that they might nominate a teacher, it might be a good idea. You're encouraging them, nominate those teachers that they think are fantastic. Yes, totally, totally. Because, you know, they're in our schools. There's there's tons of them. Or if you think you're doing a great job, nominate yourself. Nominate and, yourself. Um, why not? Yeah, why not? Because, you know, also you know, anyone interested in teaching as a career, I think um, we need good people in our organisation. I have been in it for 34 years and I think, um, it's been a life, a really purposeful um, career, and I encourage any people thinking about it um, to go for it. So she's not only encouraging current teachers to apply for the awards, she's also encouraging people just to get into teaching broadly. Good on you, Denise. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. This interview is presented by the Commonwealth Bank Teaching Awards. To nominate a teacher to do what Denise said, go to teachingawards.com.au. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.